Well, good morning, everyone. So good to be with you in the house of God today. I want to mention a couple of quick things to you. First of all, if you're a graduating senior, a current college freshman or sophomore, uh, today is the last day to turn in your application for uh, scholarship. Uh, we'll be giving this away next Sunday. So I need you to get one of these from the connection desk, fill it out, and hand it right back to the connection desk people uh, because the committee will be meeting uh, this afternoon, and I don't want you to miss your chance. I um, also want to uh, encourage you. Um, you know, we're coming up on time. They mentioned on TCN to for our small group session, and I want to encourage you to step out and be a small group host, a small group leader. Uh, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to have your doctorate in theology to host a group. Uh, you just got to be willing uh, to, to let God use you, use your talents, use uh, your interest, whatever it might be. Uh, just get people like you gathered together. You know, I find this interesting and I've seen in my life, and I can tell you lots of stories. I'll, I'll give you one uh, quick one. My father-in-law was a full-blown alcoholic, just totally just completely addicted, couldn't function in life, uh, just under, under the control of alcohol. And God stepped into his life in one day and just totally healed him of that. He, he, said, he said as he laid on the ground and, and the power of God just touched him, he became sober in an, in an instant. And he said he just felt this electricity radiate through his body from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. How many of you ever heard stories like that? This is what the power of God can do. But here's what I want to tell you. Most often, that's not how God works. I'm not telling you who can't do that. He does do that. Normally, what God does is he works through people to heal people and disciple people and raise people up out of the situation they're in. Remember when, he went to the, when, when James spoke to us and he taught us that we go to others to find healing. This happens in small groups. It doesn't mean that, uh, you know, uh, you, you, when, if, you, if you let some of our ladies get up here and, here and talk, guys, they'll talk about how they were in a small group and people were crying and it was so wonderful. And for me, I'm like, no, I'm out on that. Like, I'm not looking for a small group of guys to get around in a circle and cry our eyes out and talk about our feelings all the time. But you know what? In our, in our group last time, we learned, we grew together, our eyes were open, just discussing life and, and uh, some things relating to business and, and what God wants to do in our world. I don't know what your interest is, but in the middle of your interest, God can use you and the, and the people together to grow each other, to heal, to find freedom, uh, and to be all that God has us to be. I want to encourage you to step out and be a small group host. If you need information on how to sign up, you can see RD. I think he stepped out taking care of the offering today, but he'll help you get all signed up, and uh, that's coming up very quickly. Now, one final thing, and I'm, I'm waiting for someone to come back in the room today. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's stepped out. Um, can somebody see if, uh, Terry, can you see if Greg is out right outside those doors for me? Offering's not important. So uh, I saw uh, on Facebook this week that Greg was reelected to the school board for Stafford School District. Municipal School District, I think it's what they are here. Hey, Greg, come on down, my friend. I 
I was just telling the people that you were reelected to the school board this week and, and set in. And I just wanted to take a moment and honor you for that uh, and celebrate, uh, celebrate what God is doing in your life. You know, the Bible is very clear that when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. What, what, what we need in politics at every level, from the local level to the highest level, is more people like you, full of the power of the Holy Spirit, to run for office and to win and use the, the stuff that God has in you for the good of our nation. We need more people like you, Greg. And, and I just wanted to take a minute to honor him. And uh, I thought we might pray over you too, that God would use you to help the students uh, of Stafford. Uh, and you know, I want to just just drop this seed in your heart that maybe God wants you to run for office somewhere too. Maybe God wants to use you. Maybe God wants to do something through you to put you in a place of influence. Um, you know, it, it doesn't mean you gotta you gotta go run for president tomorrow. That's not that's not what I'm telling you. But I will say this: uh, I've had the privilege uh, of 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 leading in our Nederland campus right now we have uh, the mayor of Port Arthur who's a lifelong friend of mine and one of our el elders as I understand it and I haven't spoken with her yet she's been a city council me member in Bridge City but she just got elected as mayor pro tem of I think that's how you say it of Bridge City that's what I hear and uh, I I'm so proud because all of a sudden now it's not like you have to suddenly go shouting Jesus from the rooftops you just be who you are and Jesus and the Holy Spirit just exudes from you and influences the room. Can I just drop that seed in your heart? Maybe it was you. And you didn't even know it. Maybe it, was, maybe it was you and you didn't even know it. Can we pray over you? All right. Would you guys just stretch your hands? Turn the face this way for me. Some of you elders jump up here. Yeah, come on. Some of you elders jump up here with me and, and, and let's pray for him. Your wife's joining you too. Father, right now, we lay hands on this wonderful man of God and we declare that he is set in this place for this time according to your purpose. Lord, it wasn't just votes that set him in. It was you that set him in. And Lord, I declare that you are anointing his mind with, with creative ideas, with ideas straight from the kingdom of heaven. Lord, you're going to give him influence. When he speaks, may his words be filled with the wisdom from on high. Lord, I pray that when he walks into the room, your spirit would go before him and it would change the atmosphere where there is dissension. Lord, when he speaks, I pray that peace would come over the room. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in his life. I declare that good things are coming from his time and his service and his sacrifice. And Lord, I'm believing that he is the first of many in this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. things tomorrow next sunday is going to be a lot of fun honoring our graduates we've got a, a party planned afterwards i hope you'll stay and have some lunch with us we'll have some barbecue and uh and and have a good time inflatable for the kids we'll have a really good time if you have not signed your kid up uh your graduate up for for us to honor them please do so today so we make sure we don't miss anyone We've been in a series, we took a break uh, last week uh, for Mother's Day, but we've been in a series entitled When Pigs Fly, talking about the miraculous, believing God to see things 
that maybe we never thought could happen, and yet, when God steps in, when God intervenes, good things happen. A, a miracle is simply that. It is when God intervenes. Uh, I'll tell you a, a quick story. Because oftentimes we, we get caught up thinking miracles, and I'm going to tell you some stories of miracles today that, that changed uh, my life, that God just did unbelievable things. And maybe you've heard some of these stories and maybe you haven't. Either way, I hope you enjoy them. But I want to tell you a small story because we can get caught up thinking miracles are just, you know, when, when someone gets healed of cancer or someone was raised from the dead or someone got a check in the mail. But there are all types of miracles that are happening all the time. My daughter was nine years old, and she was, we were playing softball, and it was a really long day, and she had just come off of injury. She had, uh, she had injured her arm and hadn't been able to play for weeks, and so in the entirety of the fall season, she was one for 17, which means she got one hit and 17 at-bats, and this is not good. She had been injured. She hadn't even hardly swung in weeks, and we played this tournament. We're playing our fifth game of the day. It's about 10.30, 11 o'clock at night. These girls are exhausted. And we're playing our arch rivals. When I see them today, I shake their hand, but in my mind, I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, you know, this was years ago, and I still feel it. And, and we're playing them, and it's the bottom of the last inning. Time has expired. We're going to either win or lose. We're down by one run, two outs, runners on second and third. And here steps my daughter up to bat. She hasn't got a, gotten a hit, and I don't know how long. And I'm coaching third, and I, I kid you not, I am praying for them to walk her. I'm not praying for her to get a hit. I am praying, dear Lord Jesus, let them walk her right now. She, she doesn't even, she couldn't find the ball. If you gave her a map, she couldn't find the ball. And I am praying, dear Lord Jesus, sweet baby Jesus, whoever is on duty right now, please give my daughter a walk right now. Now the girl behind her can't hit any better but at least that's somebody else's kid. My wife is in the stands praying, speaking in tongues. I mean, just all of people are looking at her like she's crazy. She don't even care. Like, I mean, we are praying. And it's softball. It doesn't matter. And then Kennedy steps up. Ball one. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Here we go. Ball two. Oh, yes, Lord. You're doing it for me right now. And, I, you know, and I'm saying the right things. I'm like, hey, big cut here. If it's there, give it a ride. Let's go, kid. Thank you, Jesus, for walking her right now. She steps up, strike one. And I'm like, oh, God, that wasn't what I was praying for. And she steps into the box. So she's a left-handed hitter. So she steps in and she calls time. And she does something with her bat and she just stands there. And the whole place, this is a rivalry game now, and, and, and so there are people everywhere. The stands are packed. It's a championship game, and everybody's watching. And she's, she's just holding time for what seems like an eternity. She steps into the box, and I'm praying for a walk. What is she doing? They throw her a pitch. She hits the ball. Blooper over the I'm not even going to say line drop. Blooper over the second baseman's head. Two-run score. She ends up on second base. We win the game. I send the runner from third. Before she even crosses home, I'm running to my daughter to meet her at second. She comes around second looking to score, and I find her, and she's like, what are you doing? I lift her up. I'm like, Thank you, Jesus! She didn't even know what happened. 
She says, no, she's, just, she's like, I, so all of a sudden, she's crying, I'm crying. My wife fell out of the bleachers on the ground. People are like, are you okay? She said, it's a true story. She said, man, it's softball, Pastor Randon. Yeah, but let me tell you the other half of it. Later on, when we calmed down and we took pictures, I should have brought you a picture today. I've got, I've got it on my phone. I should, have, I should have brought it for you. When we calmed down, we get in the car to go home, and you know, just kind of buzzing. Hey, babe, what were you doing when you stepped in the box for so long? Oh, Dad, I knew I wouldn't hit him. So I decided to pray and ask Jesus to help me. Here we go again. <laughs> point you know if if you're battling cancer in your life and God comes through for you that's a miracle but if you're not battling cancer it doesn't mean that God still doesn't want to show up in your life at nine years old this was like one of the biggest moments of her life and she just needed God to show up for her and you know what he did right in front of all these people what she had done was draw a cross in front of the plate and i don't know if she was like look to get to me you got to go through the cross devil i don't know i don't know what she was doing but i know that she said a prayer and god delivered and god showed up for her he intervened god can show up in miracles in all types of ways in our lives yes it's the big things and i'm going to tell you some big stories in a moment but it can also be in little ways and if we're not careful we'll ask god for something he'll show up and we'll skim right over it and never thank him i love it when god intervenes in our life four categories of miracles that we've been talking about one is healing Two is protection. Three is provision, which we'll be talking about today. And four is deliverance. I want to talk to you today for a few minutes about miracles of provision. Miracles of provision. You know, for many people, money can be tight. And it's not even all about our income so much as it is the difference between our income and our expenses. It could be college debt, medical bills, insurance, multiple kids and braces. Can I get an amen? None of you yet? Okay. It could be all types of things, but, but there, there are people all over the place that have large six-figure incomes, and yet they're still struggling because there's more month than money. Maybe you can relate to that. Just, just it seems like I can't get to the next paycheck. And, and at times, this is due to bad habits. Sometimes it is. Maybe even most often it's due to bad habits. You know, God provided for the Israelites in the desert. He provided uh, manna on the ground, bread on the ground, and quail when they would wake up in the morning. He gave them water from a rock. But it was never God's plan to always provide the bread and always provide the quail and always provide the water out of a rock. God wanted them to live in the land, to learn to plant to water and to let God bring the increase. This was his desire for them. And so in our lives, we have to be careful that we're not living above our means and then asking God for a miracle all the time. We're, we're not living above our means, spending everything that comes in and then saying, God, I need your help so I don't lose my house. Wait a minute. Maybe we should get in control of our spending habits, get in control of our finances. 
Every, every term, we have a small group that helps with finances. And if you're struggling to get month from month, let me encourage you. Get with someone who can help you. There is very little in your life that can help you more and influence it more areas of your life than getting in control of your own finances where you're not living month to month. It'll help your, you personally. It will help your marriage. It will help your relationship with your kids. It will help the atmosphere of your home. So join a, join a small group. But you know there are other times when you just need a miracle. You need God to provide. I'll tell you a story. Um, 2011, 2012, you hear me talk about these type of stories a good bit, but we're trying to uh, finish building the, our, our, our Beaumont building, our new sanctuary. And so many incredible stories happened. It, it, that, that building was truly a miracle of a lifetime for me and so many of our church people. But one of them was we were, we were near, nearing the end of the project and we were out of money. Uh, you remember a few weeks ago me telling you about all the delays that happened in the process of building our building uh, and, and how we were fighting against the city and all types of things. Well, in that time, we built a budget, but between the time that we got the loan and we actually bought the steel for the building, steel prices went up like two or three times, which that and a couple of other things that increased put us over budget and so now we're at the end of the project and we're out of money and we couldn't afford any of the things you need to have church I mean we had a box but we didn't have the things you need to have church to, to complete the building and so I'm just struggling and I'm praying I go to the bank and the bank's like no we're not loaning you any more money and so we look through several avenues we, we tried a number of things we just couldn't we couldn't get any movement and we were we were short over a hundred thousand dollars. It wasn't like, hey, let's just come on a Sunday morning and let's let's take up an offering and try to raise ten or fifteen thousand dollars and push this thing over the top. And we were short well over a hundred thousand dollars, and uh, I, we were just struggling. And so I'm praying, and I, I'm I'm in the shower one day, and I don't know about you, but God speaks to me a lot in the shower, um, and, and I'm praying, and I'm like, God, I just need you to come through. Uh, is that funny, Lindsay? Why are you laughing at me? He speaks, to, he speaks to Garfield in the shower too. Hey, there's two of us. It's really awkward right now in this room. <laughs> so I'm praying and I'm like, God, I just need you to come through. And I have this idea. I'm like, God, you know what I need? Is I need a businessman that's just willing to loan us the money or give it. But I'll take a loan at this point, Lord. Because I know you'll come through for us. We just, we just need the money to get us over the top. If we can get in this building, I know that you'll come through for us. We just need a businessman that has the money and would be willing to loan it to the church. And I, and I I've immediately, I'm like, this is a good idea. And then I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, you do it. <laughs> Newsflash, I don't have $100,000. I don't know what's in your bank account, but that's not what's in my bank account. And I'm like, Lord, I don't have $100,000. He said, you have a house. That's what I said. Uh, uh, Lord, I'm kind of living in this house. <laughs> he said, Brandon, sell your house. Sell your house and take the profits and use that to finish the building. So get out of the shower. And now it's that moment, maybe you've been here, when you've got to go explain this to your wife. <laughs> Lindsay, 
here's what, here's, did you say do it from the other room, Tom? <laughs> Lindsay, here's what God said to me. He said, he said we, we're going to complete this building, but the way we're going to do it is we're going to sell our house, and we're going to give the money to the church, and we're, and we're going to finish the building. God's going to come through for us. And I have to honor my wife because she simply said, okay, let's do it. Like, that was it. She, she, I, I mean, I don't know what she was doing internally, but I know what she said to me. All right, let's do it. So we put our house on the market. And here, here's the beautiful thing. Before we could get it sold out of the blue, our banker calls back and said, I changed my mind. We're going to loan the money. Now, I'm confused by this. Can I be honest? I was confused. I, I wanted to say, no, thank you. Because I'm like, no, I've already committed to selling my house. And God said to me, Randon, take the money. That house was your Isaac. And you laid it on the altar. And I saved you from it. We finished the building. Many of you were there to celebrate. We got it done on time, just barely on time, but we got it done on time. And you were there to celebrate with us on July the 28th, 2013. We opened it. It was beautiful. It was done. There was nothing left to finish. Everything was done. That's, that is a miracle of provision. It was a miracle of provision. That extra money has been paid off. The church took care of it. We hand, the, the people of God were faithful. We got it paid off. And, and that's behind us now. But the people of God took care of it. But God was, it, it was for me, it was God saying, look, Brandon, I'm going to show you how I can be your provider. You, you see, we, we can talk about how, when we talk about provision, we often think, man, it's got to be money. It's got to be this. It's, you know, I need a big check in the mail. But maybe you need an employee. Maybe you're a business owner and you need God to provide you the right employee. Maybe you need God to provide you a job. Maybe you need God to provide a home or a car. Maybe you need him provide, to provide you a friendship or a connection point. Maybe you need an opportunity. There are all types of things that you could need for God to provide. So I want you to think beyond money because there are countless examples in Scripture of those who feared that they didn't have enough, but God did a miracle of provision. Think about this. There's 5,000 men plus women and children hungry on a hillside. And one young boy brings a few loaves of bread and a few fishes. God multiplies it and feeds thousands. There was a widow who was scared for her future. And yet the prophet said to her, start pouring out the oil, what little bit you have left. And as you pour it, I'm going to multiply it. We see bread from heaven. We see meat from ravens. We see a giant fish to rescue a drowning man. God does all types of miracles of provision. I want to play you a quick video. This is, I could tell you this story. But I, I thought I might play it. This is a video that happened literally uh, within hours after Hurricane Harvey hit. Uh, again, some of you may have heard this story. It's okay. Uh, just enjoy it. But this is a story that I'm telling uh, live that had just happened. We had thousand, over a thousand people show up in our, in our sanctuary that they were pulling out of the water. And we were trying to send them back to, to shelters. And, uh, in your, and I want to show you what happened. Uh, Rex, can you play that video for me? Wednesday night, and we have been working to take care of uh, refugees all day long, and we've been sending people to the Montaigne Center for a shelter. 
We probably sent three, 400 people down there. We get a phone call just a few minutes ago that they are locked the doors, they're not taking any more people. So we realize at this time, we're gonna have to house and take care of 200 plus um, evacuees for the night. I turn to my team and I say, hey guys, I need you to go in and assess how much food we have, how many supplies we have. My team goes into the building to find out what we have, which turns out to be a few peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and a couple of fruit cups. And literally, they go in one door, and I turn, and there's a tractor-trailer truck, and these guys right here in a barbecue pit, and they come driving in the parking lot. I have no idea who they are. I have no idea where they're from. They just literally, within minutes, came pulling in. We're inside figuring out how many supplies we have, and they come in the parking lot. I have no idea how you end up in this parking lot, but at exactly the right moment, within minutes, these guys pulled up, and 20 minutes later, we're serving a couple of hundred people barbecue. That is what God is doing right now. These people, these guys right here are an answer to the prayer. These guys are from Lufkin. What's the name of your company? Listen, by way of just by they do barbecue. Listen, I don't know what y'all do, but you might should do barbecue. It's amazing. And uh, but listen, God's amazing, and this is the kind of things He's doing right now. And I want to say thank you to whoever's out there. Um, if God puts it on your heart to do something, to serve, to help somebody, go do it immediately. You never know when you are God's answer to someone else's prayer. This was a real-life miracle of provision for us. We have hundreds of people that are starving, that have been stuck in their flooded homes for, for over 24 hours. They haven't eaten in over a day, and they're starving, and yet God shows up with food from some random guy, from the, that kid that you saw, he was 16 years old, he couldn't even drive the own truck, he didn't have his own license, but he loved to do barbecue. It was his dad's truck and trailer. And he convinced some of his dad's employer, employees to drive him down here. He had been cooking uh, barbecue for two days and they were just driving around looking for someone to feed and they showed up in our parking lot. That's the kind of God that we serve. And you say, well, you know, but Pastor Renan, like, that's great that he provided for you for, for miracles. That, that's for you, Pastor. But look what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And this same God who takes care of me, if I could insert myself in for the Apostle Paul here, who's writing to one of his churches, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from His glorious riches who have been given to us in Christ Jesus. The same God who has taken care of me time and time and time and time again will take care of your needs according to His glorious riches. This was Paul's encouragement to us because I'm telling you the devil wants to intervene and say to us, no, that miracle is for someone else. He'll do that for you, Paul. He'll do that for Timothy. He'll do that for James or John. He'll do that for Peter. But he won't do that for me. Yes, he will. But here's what else I love if you'll put that verse back up for me. Here's, and, and this is something that we miss along the way. And this same God who takes care of me, watch this, will supply all of your needs. God promises to take care of our needs. He doesn't always promise to take care of our wants. It doesn't mean that God won't bless you with things that you want. 
But he's not obligated to give you the things he wants. You want, he is obligated to make sure your needs are taken care of. When we're trusting in him, when we're in, in, in relationship with him, uh, it, it, there is a difference between needs and wants. For instance, you need clothes, but you want a designer handbag or you want Jordans. Was that too close, ladies? Okay. You need rest, but you want an all-inclusive Hawaiian vacation. You need shelter, but you want the granite countertops, the wood floors, the 4K TV, the three-car garage, and everything that comes with it. It's not bad to want these things, but it doesn't make God responsible. It doesn't make Him less of a miracle worker because you don't have those, all those things that you want. Are you tracking with me? I want you to have them. I believe God wants to bless you, but He's not always bound to it in the same way. There's a difference. But you know what? As I, I've been uh, studying on this, I, I've learned two principles that I want to share with you very quickly uh, of God's miraculous provision. Number one is this. When God guides, He provides. When God is guiding you, He'll provide for you along the way. Isaiah chapter 58 verse 11 says, The Lord will guide you always, and He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. When He is guiding you, He's going to satisfy your needs. He's going to take care of your needs. This is what God does. He's, he's not responsible for every dream I have. He's only responsible for His will and His plans. If God puts it in you to do, He'll provide the provision for it. But if it's just your idea, He may do it and He may not. If I tell my kids to go do something, if I say to you, uh, you're going to go here and you're going to do this. It is my responsibility to provide for them the resources they need to get the job done. But if my kid says to me, hey, dad, can I go to the water park with my friends? And I say, sure, Kennedy, you are welcome to go. I'm not obligated to pay her way. Are you tracking with me? I, I'm obligated to make sure my kid gets to school every day, to make sure she has clothes to wear, to make sure that she has the resources she needs to make good grades. And if she needs to get there early for tutorials, we get her there earlier for tutorials. But I am not responsible to pay for every whim she has in her life. But as a father, if I want to, I can do that. Are you tracking with me? God's the same way. When He wills something in, her, in your life, He will provide for it. But if it's just something you want, He may provide for it. He may give you the way, or He may not. He's a God who loves to bless, so I believe He wants us to have good things and do great things in our life. But He's not responsible for every dream and every whim that I have. He's responsible for His plans in my life. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. When I'm in the middle of his plans, prosperity will follow. You know what? I, uh, the old preacher said it like this. Stop asking God to bless what you are doing and start doing what God is blessing. I wish I had come up with that saying. But that's... Stop asking God to bless what you're doing and start doing what God is blessing. You say, well, Pastor, God's not coming through for me. I, I can't make my bills every week. It might be because your credit cards are full, because you overspent in Christmas 2014, and you're still paying 27% interest on it. 
And yet we're blaming God and saying, God, you don't come through for me. It might be because we bought a boat we couldn't afford and we might need to downsize our house and our car and quit eating out so much and, and quit stopping by Marshalls and Ross on the way home every day. I'm preaching now. I feel the Holy Ghost is just, is just moving. Maybe God met your needs, but you spent it on your wants. God's provision is not a get-out-of-jail-free card for our stupid decisions, for our unwise decisions. It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. When God directs us, though, He provides. I want to tell you the story, and I alluded to it a moment ago. In Genesis chapter 22, one of the most powerful stories in Scripture. Abraham has been praying, God, give me a son. He couldn't have a son, and finally, at like 100 years old, God gives him a son by the name of Isaac. He and Sarah have a son, and he's busy raising his son when God speaks to him and says, okay, now, Abraham, I want you to take your son up to the mountain where I'm going to tell you to go, and I want you to sacrifice him there. This is a, this is a crazy story, and, 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 and there's so many angles you could preach this from, but I just want to share uh, th th this piece from you. They're going up the mountain, and Isaac, who we often think of him as being a young boy, but in fact, theologians say that he was more, most likely somewhere between a teenager and a grown man, quite, off, po quite possibly even age 33, because he was a type of Jesus when he died on the cross, and Jesus was 33. The point is this, that we know that he was, a, uh, he was large enough and strong enough and old enough to know what was going on, know to ask, where is the sacrifice? He's carrying the wood. He's got the sacrifice. He's helping his father build an altar. And Abraham says, the Lord will provide the sacrifice to get to the top of the mountain. Many of you know the story. They build this, this beautiful um, uh, stone altar that set up probably about four feet high. They put the wood down on top of it. They tie Isaac's hands and his feet. They lay him down on top of the altar. And Abraham gets ready to cut the throat of his only son. And in that moment, the angel reaches down and grabs his hand. And when he looks over, he sees a ram in the bush. And God provided in one of the greatest miracles of provision we've ever seen. I want to read just a couple of verses from verse 13. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horn in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named the place. Everybody say place. He named it Yahweh Yireh. Now, I'm reading from the New Living Translation right now. If you're re reading from the New King James or the King James, it probably says Jehovah Jireh. All right? Same name, different ways of translating it. He said, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, I love this part, to this day people still use that name as a proverb. Now, wait a second here. Proverb is a principle of wisdom that came from God. It was something that was passed on, that went from generation to generation. And if you use these Proverbs, you study the book of Proverbs, it's sayings of wisdom that can help us in our life. So here's what he said. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. And here's what they say. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. 
Here's what I want you to note. As Abraham is going through his life, he was living his life fixed on the will of God. If it, if it was the will of God to sacrifice his son, he was going to do it. Because he was totally focused on, I'm going to do the will of God in my life. My question is, how many times are we living our lives fixated on our lack? Abraham is focused on the will of God. We're focused on the things we don't have. Can I say to you today that when God guides, he provides. That leads me to number two. God multiplies what is given. Most often, he multiplies what is given. Sometimes he does it all. With Jonah, Jonah didn't do anything for the fish come to, to come and swallow him. Uh, but most often, when he, when, he, when he provided the bread on the ground, the quail on the ground, for us, when he provided barbecue out of nowhere. But most often, normally, God wants to build our faith, and so he invites us to be a part of the miracle. That's what he does. We give and God multiplies. Remember, I, I mentioned to you the story of the widow. She had to pour out the oil. It was the last she had left. And when she poured it out, God began to multiply it. And as she poured, it kept multiplying and multiplying, and it filled every pot she had. You remember the, the 5,000 on the side of the mountain. It was, it was on the back of a young boy who gave his loaves and his fishes. When he gave, Jesus multiplied. And then here in this moment, Abraham gave his son and God multiplied him into a nation. This is what God does. And you say, well, that sounds like a prosperity gospel, Pastor Raymond. I'm not preaching to you a prosperity gospel. I'm not telling you that if you give $100 today, God's going to turn it into 1000 before you walk out the door. He might. But that does, that, that's not why we give. We give and then we say, God, you do what you do. You multiply in your way. It's just, giving is not a get-rich-quick scheme. It's not what it is. And yet, sometimes that's what God does. Oftentimes, He uses our gift and He multiplies it. Can I tell you one more story and then we'll close today? I'm, tell, I'm telling you stories of my life because I want to build your faith. Because it's one thing to read it from the Bible, but if, when I tell you what God has done for me, I hope it connects with you with right where you are. So in, in 2009, 2009 my, my son was a couple of years old, and uh, he, he'd had some ear troubles. Um, Randy's had several ear surgeries in his life. Just uh, last year, they had to rebuild most of his uh, in, inner ear and his eardrum and things. They had to do all kind of reconstructive surgery. And, um, but this is one of the first of the major surgeries that he had. And so we're sitting in a service, and, and, and Lindsay and I had been saving our money. Uh, we had our income tax return, and we'd been saving money because we, we had to pay for the surgery up front. And uh, so we had to meet our deductible up front. It was several thousand dollars. And so we had saved everything we had. We were pretty close. And I'm sitting in a service. Ivan Tate is preaching. I'm in our Nederland campus, and I'm sitting right here on the front row. And my friends Damon and Christine, who were the, the campus pastors at the time, are sitting right here across the aisle from me. Lindsay wasn't with me. She was headed to Dallas. She had an event in Dallas she was going to. So I'm sitting on the front row by myself. And while Ivan Tate is preaching, no clue what he was preaching about. Don't even remember. Probably was good. But I have no clue what he was preaching about. All of a sudden, I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, I want you to pay off Damon and Christine's car. Uh, I mean, 
Lord, I've got, a, I've got a surgery this week that I've got to pay for. Every nickel in my bank account is going to pay for this surgery. And God says, pay off their car. So I grabbed my phone. I know we shouldn't be texting in church, but I did. And I text my wife. She's driving. And I say, Lindsay, God told me to pay off Damon and Christine's car. And she says, how much? And I said, I don't know. So I write them a note. <laughs> like, like you're back in elementary school. I passed a note. I need to ask you a question, random. How much do you owe on your car? Slide it across the aisle. Damon's like, he opens it. He's like, I don't know. He writes down about $3,000 or whatever. I'm like, okay, that's what I have in my account. So I text Lindsay. It's about $3,000. She says, that's all we have. I said, yes, I know. She said, and this is God. I said, yes, it is. She said, do it. So I write the note, I kid you not, I write the note, Damon, I don't know why, but God just told me to pay off your car. I'll, I have a checkbook in my truck, I'll write it to you after service. This is everything I have in our, in our savings account, this is it. I pass the note to him, and as I pass the note, he hasn't even read it yet. Ivan Tate steps down off the stage just like this. Right off the front, Needleman looks just like this on the front. And he walks over, and he said, God said you were going through some things. And uh, he said he wants to bless you today. I'm like, okay. He said, uh, he said, what's going on in your life? I said, well, my son's having surgery this week. He said, God's about to meet the need. It's a true story. And all of a sudden, people start getting up from all over the sanctuary just like this. Sunday night service. And people just start bringing money. I'm, I'm crying my eyes out on the front row. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. People start bringing money. Now let me tell you, when they counted all the money up, it paid for the surgery and it paid off our vehicle that we owed about $15,000 on. I didn't know what God was about to do. All I know is I'm sitting there listening to the sermon, laughing, having a good time. God says, pay off the car. I pay off the car. And in moments, not only was, not only was Damon's cars paid off, but our car was paid off and my son's entire surgery was paid off just like that. Listen, I'm not taking up an offering today. That's not what we're doing. I want to build your faith that God can provide. So in that moment when we gave, God said, let me show you what I can do. And he took care of two needs in our life. All we had the funds for was one. God said, let me, let me take care of all of it. One of the couples in the church, the Allison family, they have a daughter named Macy. And uh, she's got a lot of special needs in her life. She's in a motorized wheelchair all the time. Beautiful young girl. Um, beautiful, wonderful spirit. Macy had outgrown her wheelchair. These, these motorized wheelchairs that they have to be um, not customized, but they have to fit them properly and they have to be able to shape properly for, for her. It has to do what she needs exactly her right, right way. They're very expensive. And they had about $2,000 saved, this family. And they decided, God spoke to their heart to give $1,000 in our offering. I didn't, I mean, I, I say offering, they just brought $1,000. So they go the next day and they knew that 2000 was barely going to get them a wheelchair, not what they needed. But now they only have 1000 
and they're over here in Houston somewhere and they're at the shop and they're walking around and they're looking and there's just nothing. All these chairs are three and four and five and six thousand dollars, whatever they were, very expensive chairs and, and they're just going, God, we need you to provide. As they walk out the door, just down, they happen to look over and they see a, a wheelchair over in the corner with a red tag on it. it said clearance. Well, that looks about the right size. What is that one? For whatever, the, the, the salesman said, I don't even know what this is. But they put Macy in it. It fits her perfectly. Does everything that she needs done. And for whatever reason, this thing was like 75% off. It was like $900 or whatever. And they were able to pay their money and get twice the chair that they could have ever gotten on their own. Again, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking to you today about a, a get-rich-quick scheme. I'm not even taking up an offering. I'm just telling you that when we give, God multiplies. And He is a God that does miracles of provision time and time again. The Bible said of Abraham that he called the place the Lord will provide. Now here's, here's what I love about this. The proverb was, on the mountain of the Lord, he will provide. That mountain from, for Abraham was a mountain of sacrifice and trust and faith and obedience and willingness. It wasn't just any mountain. Yes, it was Mount Moriah. But it was, it, it was, for him, it was personal because he had to be willing to do the hard thing. But when he was willing to do the hard thing, he said, on the place when I did the hard thing, God did the miraculous. And so, and so for me, when, when, I, when I think about this story, when I tell you the stories I'm telling you today, when I'm needing a miracle of provision, and we're needing some in this church right now, I'm telling you, I don't go to just any random place and say, well, the Lord will provide. No, no. I love this statement. God had already done the miracle of provision, and yet Abraham prophesies into future generations, the Lord will provide. So I go look at the place of my history where God has already done it. I look at that place in 2009 on a Sunday evening. I look at that place standing in the sanctuary of Beaumont. And I look forward into my future and I say to every miracle of provision that I need, I prophesy to you right now, the Lord will provide. I don't know how and I don't know where, but all I have to do is stand on the mountain. I've got to get to the mountain, the mountain of trust, the place of sacrifice, the place of obedience, the place of worship, the place of faith. And if I can get to that place... The place is called, the Lord will provide. Jehovah will be my Jireh, the God who provides for me. But how many times are we unwilling to climb the mountain, but begging God to do the miracle? We want the miracle of provision that Abraham had, but we're not willing to do what Abraham did. So, Lord, everything, every miracle of provision that we need in this church Every individual family, those watching online right now, God, I, I don't even know what they are. But Lord, I just believe that you are Jehovah Jireh. You're our God who will provide. I don't know how. I don't know the way you do things miraculously. You call some, some kid from Lufkin, Texas to drive up into the parking lot. I don't know how you do it. You change the mind of our banker. 
You spoke to Ivan Tate in the middle of service. God, you've done it time and time and time again. So I speak over every person in this room today that is in need of a miracle of provision. And I speak into them. I prophesy over them. The Lord will provide. Lord, be our Jehovah Jireh. Be our Jehovah Jireh. I thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Stand on your feet with me. I want to close with two things. I want to get you to pray with me. And then we're going to open these altars. If you need a miracle of provision or any type of miracle in your life, these altars are going to be open. How many of your faith is high today and you believe God wants to do a miracle? So I want to get you to pray with me really quickly. I'm going to give you the, the, the short version. The, and it's simply this. In, this. in all of our campuses, but specifically this one, we have been fighting against insurance companies, specifically one lady since Harvey in 2017. We, we've been fighting. Uh, when you see the leaks around the building, you often see it leaking significantly over here to my left. You're right. This, we're, we're fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. We've gone through multiple roofing companies, multiple avenues, and we are finally at the place where we believe God's going to do a miracle for us. We're, we're, we're right there. And so I, I thought I would engage with you today and ask you to pray with me. We need God to provide a miracle, to move this girl out of the way, whatever it takes. Um, the roofer is ready to put a brand new roof on our building. And I believe that's what God wants for us. 15-year warranty and, and, you know, just, just take care of, of, to not have to fight this battle again. We need a miracle of provision. How many of you would pray uh, for, with me for us really quickly? We do that. Father, right now, we're coming to you as a, a body of believers, as a unified church, Lord God. And you do all types of miracles of provision. We know this and we're grateful for this. You've done it so many times for us in the history of triumph. But today, we're asking you for this miracle. To complete this job, to finish it, to get the roof for your house. God, this is your house. This isn't our church. This is your house, God. This is where we come and worship you, where people's lives are changed, where people healed and set free and delivered and saved, God, where our children are raised up in the ways of God. So, Lord, do a miracle for your house. Lord, speak to that young girl, Lord God, and, and let there be a yes when it should have been a no. Let it break free through, Lord God. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing, that things are changing this week. In the name of Jesus, we declare that our God will provide. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, uh, prayer partners, come. If you need prayer ministry of any kind, our altars are going to be open today. I want to bless you before you go. Uh, are you excited? Is your faith built up? All right. All right. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance among you. And may he give you peace. And may he put his name, the name of Jesus Christ, on you. And you say, God bless you. These altars are open. I see you this Sunday. Graduation Sunday is going to be a great time.